When you download the Kroger app, you have easy access to savings every day. Get the most out of weekly sales and receive personalized coupons to save on your favorite items, all while earning one fuel point for every dollar spent. Kroger makes it easy to save while you shop, whether it's in-store or online, so you get the most value out of every trip, every time. Download the Kroger app now to save big on your next purchase. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Must have a digital account to redeem offers. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to NeuroDigest, our fifth episode here on Science TV, TV with me, your host, Sylvia Moramo-Chabo, my sign interpreter, Maureen Maita. And today we are truly honored to be hosting our first guest at NeuroDigest, and this is Dr. John Onala Ouma. That is a heavy, weighty man with a PhD behind his name. And Mr. Onala here has a PhD in early intervention, and he's a consultant in developmental disabilities. So you've been listening to me as a mother and my self-taught skills, but today we have brought to you the real doctor, the doctor who tells you this is what we're looking at, where your son lays or your daughter lays, and what to do, and gives you guidance even to what to feed, what to do at what time of the day to be able to manage your child. So please stay tuned and make sure send in your questions. The SMS number is 205 uh, I repeat again, the SMS number is 2058. So if you have any questions, you can send in your SMS and then we will be able to answer them. And also engage with us on social media. You can go to Andy Speaks 4 on Twitter and on Instagram it is Andy Speaks or talk to me directly on my Instagram at, uh, Mora, at Sylvia Mochabo and on Twitter at Mora Sylvia. Now, Dr. Tari, could you pass, just introduce the lengthy, the lengthy CV. <laughs> I've given you only a brief summary so that he can, I can give him the opportunity to be able to tell us more about himself. Karibu, Dr. Tari. Thank you so much. Yeah, so you've already said my name. So <laughs> I'm a consultant in developmental learning uh, difficulties. We avoid the term disabilities nowadays. Yeah, I, I work with children with developmental and learning needs. So that means I do uh, assessments to find out where things went wrong mm -hmm. and then give recommendations on what we need to do to help the child make progress. Uh, I work with parents, I work with teachers, therapists and caregivers. So we uh, look at early intervention. Before early intervention, we do early diagnosis. So we look at uh, when the problem started. So when you talk of early intervention, we can't talk about early intervention without early diagnosis. So a child must be diagnosed early. Uh, and when you talk of early, we mean nowadays, uh, early means from birth. From birth, oh yeah. wow, we've yes, gotten there. Birth. We can actually tell from birth. Before birth, we can tell certain signs. In Kenya? Even in Kenya. Oh wow. Yeah, there, there are quite a number of conditions, okay. developmental conditions that can be detected before birth. Okay. Yeah, things like um, muscular dystrophy, mm -hmm. hydrocephaly, mm -hmm. and even there could be delta signs for ADHD before birth. If there's irregularity in fetal movement, then mm -hmm. there's most likely going to be some challenge in uh, neurodevelopment of the child. So we are saying an ADHD yeah. child can start being hyper even in the stomach? Yes. <laughs> the, their movement is different. <laughs> okay. No, uh, for a typical child, uh -huh. 
the fetal movement is regular. All right, okay. For ADHD, there's irregularity in fetal movement. Okay. And so, so that can be detected early. For our male viewers who do yeah. not experience carrying a child, kindly <laughs> explain what, when you say fetal movement, is it the, the you know, there is that time you're like, exactly. Is it that yeah. time? Okay. So, uh, I'll engage you in that because you're a mother of three years. <laughs> of three years. Now, uh, when you're quite happy, uh -huh. maybe you're dancing and you're enjoying your music, mm -hmm. there's usually regularity in fetal movement. Yes. Your, your child moves according yes. to your emotions and rhythm. That's true. Now, for a child who is likely to have ADHD, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes when there's that movement and you're enjoying things, mm -hmm. the child could be silent, not moving. Oh, opposite. Yes. And then when you're not happy and things are not moving, then the movement could be quite rigorous. And sometimes the child is kicking, and some others will even say it was even painful at some point. The kicking was different. So, and that can be picked even through ultrasound. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so. Just sent me back. I'm trying to figure out because one of my sons yeah. actually has ADHD. I'm trying to remember yeah, how active was he. That. You know, yeah. I'll actually take some time and maybe do some yoga and try and review. Yeah. <laughs> seven and a half years back yeah. what, what what it was like and the difference between my pregnancies yeah then maybe that way so we've learned something new you can actually tell ADHD before birth. before birth yes and then now you said some very conk I just had sophilus or something like that <laughs> means that the fluid in the brain is not draining well so okay. it, the brain collects a lot of fluid in it okay. and so the head tends to burn okay and so that can be picked through scan you okay. can see that the head is becoming bigger. Oh, right. Yeah, and sometimes we have children whose spinal cord do not close quite well. Okay. We call it spinal bifida. Okay. Yeah, and so that can also be picked before birth. Mm -hmm. And even club foot can be picked before birth. Yeah, so mm -hmm. there are so many conditions. And now there's even Down syndrome mm -hmm. can be picked before birth. There are a number of tests that can be done. Mm -hmm. If you suspect maybe that there could be a, a problem, a number of tests can be done. But we also know that there are telltale signs for children with autism from birth, from yeah, that early. How you know? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. okay. Uh -huh. We cannot make a concrete diagnosis early, All right. but we'll be able to say there are telltale signs that indicate that this child is likely going to have autism. Okay. Yeah. So just giving a typical example, mm -hmm. uh, I want you to reflect back on your children. So <laughs> you get okay. your child, uh -huh. and then the first breastfeeding, Oh, yeah, yeah uh, you, are, you are trying to bond with your with child. child yes. Yeah. So uh, at that point, the child is operating on reflexes. Okay. So the child has not learned something in the environment. Mm -hmm. So if it's a child born with autism, mm -hmm. research shows that uh, even their bonding is different from that of a typical child. Okay. So a typical child, after being with the mother maybe for two, three days, mm -hmm. there's already a bond between the two. Okay. So when the child is breastfeeding, the child's head tilts towards the mother's face, typically. Uh, yeah. Or like uh, looking at me like yes. I, I'm, I'm breastfeeding. Yeah, in as much as the child me. is not really interested in looking at you, uh -huh. but naturally the head just tilts. Yeah, but there is usually that gaze that they give yes, you. Yes, they know? give you the gaze, right, too, okay. so you get it. Mm -hmm. A child with autism will not give you that. All of them or some? Majority of them, not all of them. Actually, when it comes to eye contact, not all children with autism will. Uh, lack eye contact. There are those people with autism with very good eye contact. 
Okay. Yeah. So is it is it the length of the contact or is it just general eye contact when when we are trying? Because you see, maybe it's distraction. I'm in a new environment that. We yeah. So but is it like a timed thing? Like if my child does not pay attention during the moment of breastfeeding for a certain period, that we get concerned. Typically, if I need anything for me, I have to give you eye contact. Yes. When I'm talking to you, I have to give you eye contact. Yes. If I want that thing you have, I have to give you eye contact. Yes. But. These children will want something from you, but still not giving you eye contact. Okay. A typical child might not always give you eye contact. Maybe he's playing a game somewhere, or he's interested in the TV, mm -hmm. or he's doing something somewhere. Mm -hmm. So he'll not give you eye contact, even when you're talking. Mm -hmm. Even for others, no? if I'm talking to you, and maybe I'm interested in something somewhere, I'll give my attention to the other thing, but still talking to you. Okay. So, but. When we talk of lack of eye contact, mm -hmm. it means I'm engaging you socially mm -hmm. and not looking at you. Okay. Yeah. So if it's at that point, that, that's when you say mm -hmm. there's limited or there's lack of eye contact. Okay. Let me take you back a bit. When we were talking about the brain fluids, yeah? Mm -hmm. is, is this something that now, when normally when uh, a lady is pregnant, they will always tell you this at the report of the scan at the bottom, they say head circumference abdominal something mm -hmm. so those are the those are the measurements that are usually checked to give us the telltale now those ones are checked at back at back yeah no, but so, even, even even when when you do a scan mm -hmm. there is some numbers that they write they write they, they, they head circumference yes. abdominal circumference and something with the femur mm -hmm. I, I was very apt reading those things. Yeah, okay. that's <laughs> as so much as it didn't make yes. sense. The, so now I'm yeah. now very interested like, so if we can tell. The circumference that they're measuring before birth is mm -hmm. just to see if the head is actually growing. Okay. But if it goes beyond certain point, then they'll, they'll be concerned. They'll tell you there's a concern. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, let's say if you're in a developed country, mm -hmm. you'll be booked in for operation mm -hmm. at birth. So the child is born. And maybe a day or two, mm -hmm. the child is taken for an operation to fix shunt okay. the head. Okay. So a shunt is a pipe that will help drain the fluid mm -hmm. from uh, the head towards the heart. Because mm -hmm. yeah, the, the fluid is not draining by itself. Mm -hmm. So in that case, the child will develop a condition called arrested cerebral uh, uh, hydrocephaly. Okay. It's arrested in the sense that it's now controlled. Oh. So it will not bulge. And so the child is less likely going to uh, develop symptoms of cerebral palsy like paralysis mm -hmm. or the head will now start growing normally. Mm -hmm. So in that case, the condition is controlled surgically. Wow. But if a child was born in the rural, mm -hmm. uh, uh, in the house, mm -hmm. uh, in the village, mm -hmm. then those things will not be done. So the mm -hmm. child will suffer. So, it, so we are also encouraging the mothers to deliver in hospital so that these yes. things are able to be uh, and start captured. going for your time. clinic early. Early. Yeah. Early is what? what? From the first month. The first month. Yes. No, sometimes you never month. know. We we give we give it a, a yeah. trizex like maybe I'm stressed out. So the minute we should still check and go and if have. If you just miss your that. first period, okay, go for check out and if you are uh, found pregnant, mm -hmm. start doing the right thing. How, how does that help? You are preventing the likelihood of a child developing certain conditions. Okay. You see, if you do not know that you are expecting and you are drinking, mm -hmm. uh, you are eating badly, you are partying, you are smoking, then you are risking the life of that child. Wow. Yeah. There are so many conditions that are related to smoking, to drinking, and even maternal emotional conditions. Okay. If you're in a stressful condition, every time you're stressed or you're depressed, you secrete adrenaline. Okay. And that is a heavy neurochemical that okay. prepares you for fight or flight. 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and so that interferes with the neurological development of the child before birth. So maternal condition before birth is very important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything you're saying is just sending me back. I'm trying to think like, yeah. what was my life like when I was pregnant? Yeah. You know, because you know, we we've, we've had questions about what causes autism. Is it before, during, after? You know, we still have the stigma related issues that people say, oh, you were cast, oh, you did this. That's why someone else did this. Mm -hmm. So I'm just seeing answers, you know. I'm trying to think like how active was I that yeah. that adrenaline <laughs> would have yeah. got into my child at the time of mm -hmm. carrying the pregnancy. But yeah. quite a bit, a lot of it makes sense. And thank mm -hmm. you, Dr. Now we've learned so many things. I'm even feeling like my head is heavy and I'm like, we've not even gone. That was only 10 minutes <laughs> of system overload. But yes, my dear uh, friends and our viewers, we are here with Dr. Nala, who has a PhD in early intervention and is also a specialist consultant on um, developmental disorders. And uh, like we say, please send in your questions, 2058. That is the SMS number for any questions you could be having for Dr. Tari, so that we might be able to educate you even where you are. For now, we shall, uh, we shall just take it all in, take it all in slowly but surely. And also you can engage us on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, Andy Speaks for for Twitter, Andy Speaks for Instagram, and the Facebook page is Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons. And Dr. Terry will be uh, here with us, but we'd like to take a break so that you can have a breather like you've had. That was a lot. I also need to just process, and I've been taken down memory lane. I'd like to take some ooze a moment <laughs> and try and reflect and see at what point I was so hyper that actually the boys actually are very hyper. But it has shed a lot of light and I appreciate. So don't go away, stay with us and we shall be right back with Dr. Dr. John Onala and we would like to say also thank you. We are here with our interpreter Mori and me, your host, Sylvia Moramo Chabo. See you in a few minutes. with us thank you viewers for staying with us and welcome back to neurodigest episode number five where we are discussing early intervention and early diagnosis oh, with me is our first guest on neurodigest mr john onala who is a specialist in the area of uh, neurodiversity and we have our interpreter maureen and myself silver moramo chavo engages on sms 2508 and we'll go back to Dr. Tari. He had given us a system overload <laughs> and new discoveries that indeed you can tell if your child will have neurodiversity from the time you're pregnant. That is something I have learned. I knew that that is possible in the Western side of, of, of the world. That is the US and the UK, the more developed countries, but I did not know in Kenya you can actually get to do that. So I had asked Dr. Tari off air that does that mean our doctors have to go back to school to be able to identify these issues? Right. Yeah, that's a very interesting question and very important. Mm -hmm. You know, in every profession, mm -hmm. even for me to survive in the field uh, in consultancy, 
I must read every day. Okay. Yeah, you must always take refresher courses mm -hmm. for you to survive you know, in a, a changing world. Mm -hmm. uh, if we have a doctor who graduated, let's say just even five years ago, okay. a span of five years in the current world is a long period of time. It's probably like a hundred years in the previous <laughs> years <laughs> because the inventions and the amount of research that is published every day is mm -hmm. enormous. Mm -hmm. And so you have to keep refreshing your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you keep studying. So sometimes maybe, I'm not accusing the medical practitioners, but sometimes we find ourselves uh, sticking to the old practice. Uh -huh. Yeah, and also a lot of assumptions. Have you ever gone to hospital? Mm -hmm. And when you're explaining something to a doctor and you see the doctor Googling. Oh, you know, you, you, the doctor sits there, the screen is that side. So I cannot tell. For me, I'd assume like you're entering my story in your fact sheet yeah, or something like so, that. But why can't this doctor listen first to the... Yeah, yeah. actually, yeah. That, yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah, so we mm -hmm. have uh, challenges here and there. Mm -hmm. And uh, every profession is open for update. No, you know that every... makes me feel very insecure. If we are told, do not trust Dr. Google, and my doctor is Googling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then Google, everybody can post in anything. Yes. Yeah, so not all. If you want to get information online, go to uh, research journals. All right. Yeah. So do they, do they go to the research journals, or is it Dr. Google? No, Dr. Google will give you all Everything. kinds of information. So they are, even if yeah. they are Googling, they are going to the right channel. Maybe, yes, maybe no. <laughs> Why? We've just heard about red meat. Please yeah. let, let us be at ease a bit, just a bit, <laughs> on our doctors so that we can be yeah. able to trust that side. Okay, yeah. that, is, that is good. Or I'd like for us to move now after I give birth. Mm. Now, uh, take us to the next level of, yes, we've said before giving birth, there are those things that we can, the doctor can be able to tell us. Mm. Then just, just, still, just a bit on that, like, do I have to have had a history for the doctor to be able to question the time of my scans when I'm pregnant? Or is, do, or, or is it something that so long as you're a doctor, you should be able to raise a red flag when you notice something? No, every doctor should raise a red flag if you notice anything abnormal okay. in the scan. Okay. Yeah, so, and if there's history, that makes it easier okay. yeah, for the doctor to look at certain things. Mm -hmm. But if there's no history and you've seen a red flag somewhere, then mm -hmm. you should say, I think I need to get second opinion on this. Right. Or refer the client to uh, another specialist who will be able to diagnose that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but once now the child is born mm -hmm. and life has to continue, mm -hmm. so the parent also need to be keen on a number of signs now. Mm -hmm. At what age is the child crawling, mm -hmm. uh, the child standing, mm -hmm. uh, what time does the child start talking the first few words. Mm -hmm. So if you feel that there's a delay, even if doctors tell you it, it will be fine, okay. especially with boys, they tell you boys are different, they are usually slow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. If your gut tells you that I think there's a problem somewhere, six second opinion, even if you're told things are okay. okay. Yeah, so mm -hmm. six second opinion, talk to another doctor, mm -hmm. talk to another person from an, a different professional line. Okay. So if your pediatrician tells you, I think it's okay, your child is fine, mm -hmm. and your child is two years and not talking, mm -hmm. talk to a speech therapist or an occupational therapist. Okay. Yeah, someone from a different line, okay. because then they'll think differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, you could be working, let's say uh, you're working in an institution in a community that is probably 
pastoralist, let's say pastoralist community. Yeah, yeah. And so parents are busy working in the field, handy, uh, herding cattle and goats, you know, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. So children do not have someone to talk to. Okay. And so most of the children will be coming to hospital do not have speech. All right. And so for you, that is normal. Oh, because of because of the environment. The environment, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. So if you are transferred to Nairobi, mm -hmm. where children speak a little bit early, mm -hmm. and a child comes at two years and not talking, then you tell the parent, I think that's okay. Yeah. Then that parent need to seek second opinion. Go talk to another person. <laughs> so cultural background is also very important. That makes sense. I've had yeah. I've, I've, I've had many parents say that yes, when I went to the doctor, they said just wait, give them time, yeah. they will catch up, and the babies are different. So my fellow parents, as you hear, if those things happen, seek a second opinion. And <clears throat> now that's the very first few ages. We had gone through the signs and symptoms with our with our viewers. Now, for you as a professional uh, who does the early intervention, what is the extra extraordinary? How do you tell that my child is mildly, you know, we say autism is a spectrum. So we say there is the, the low end, medium and high end. Mm. So the ones who need less care, the ones who need a lot of care and those who just need moderate support mm. for them to have, go about their normal daily living. So how do you, how do you decide, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're the one who decides or you're the one who advises the parent, like your child is autistic, right? You're the, let's not call you the bearer of bad news. <laughs> But like you're one of the rubber stamp to tell someone, yes, uh, we suspect this because of ABCD and we advise you to do EFGH. Mm -hmm. So tell us like exactly what is it that you do that advises for you to make the conclusion. Uh, okay, how do we, in yes, other words, how, how, how do, do you diagnose? Diagnose, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, for any condition, mm -hmm. uh, there's usually a laid down criteria for diagnosis. For any condition. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear in forums people saying that condition A or condition B is very difficult to diagnose. Mm -hmm. It's because the person has not looked at the criteria for diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So for autism, there are three main areas that you'll focus on. Mm -hmm. So you'll hear people saying child A is autistic because uh, it's hyperactive, it's inattentive. Those ones are not even symptoms of autism. Okay. Yeah, so this child. So we look at uh, three major areas. The first one is impairments in language. Okay. So both receptive and expressive, mm -hmm. affecting both verbal and nonverbal communication. So that's a whole area, it's a wide area, mm -hmm. looking at the way the child is talking. Mm -hmm. Some children will not have speech, others will have speech, but not using it correctly. Mm -hmm. So language is one area. Then the, uh, I'm just mentioning that because he had gone through that. Yes, yeah, so yeah. the second area is social understanding. Mm -hmm. So understanding of emotions, expressing their own emotions, developing relationships, mm -hmm. initiating and maintaining relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, these children will want to play on their own, not developing any kind of attachment, mm -hmm. but they may have limited attachment. So that's the second area. Mm -hmm. And then the third area is usually lack of flexibility of thought and behavior. Mm -hmm. That they are inflexible. They want things to be done in a particular way. Mm -hmm. They'll have a lot of ritualistic behaviors like flapping hands, mm -hmm. like rocking, mm -hmm. eating specific foods, you know, quite a number of things. Mm -hmm. So those are three areas. Mm -hmm. So you'll get from my description that I haven't mentioned anything to do with attention span. 
Yes. I haven't mentioned anything to do with hyperactivity because yes. those ones are no symptoms of autism. So what would you call them? Those ones are symptoms of ADHD. Okay. But people always confuse, confuse them. the two. Yeah. So you have to collect enough data mm -hmm. from those areas mm -hmm. and then in line with the diagnostic statistical manual. Mm -hmm. Now there's a manual mm -hmm. that defines how diagnosis must be made. So, so which one do we yeah. use here in Kenya? I know no. I've heard about DS. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. There was another one. Uh, they're very complex terms. So, which yeah. one, well, like in Kenya, what is the standard that we use when so, we post the yardstick? Autism is the same throughout the world. Okay. Yeah, whether you're in the UK, uh, you're in Kenya, you're in the US, you're in Australia, mm -hmm. the reference point is the diagnostic statistical manual. Okay. But then, before you go to diagnostic statistical manual, we have assessment tools. A diagnostic statistical manual is not a tool, it's like the constitution. All right, okay. Yeah. Bibilia, yeah. Yes. <laughs> then oh, now, okay. now to say whether it's mild, moderate, or severe, mm -hmm. then we have tools okay. that will help you analyze the neurobehavioral characteristics that the person presents. Mm -hmm. So we have like one that I like using is called Gilliam Autism Rating Scale. Okay. Uh, currently, we are using third edition. Mm -hmm. uh, we have Childhood Autism Rating Scale. There are quite a number. Okay. Those are now the tools that will that be used to assess autism. Okay. And then you say now this child seems to meet diagnosis based on this tool. Then you now refer to the DSM. Okay. So if one of the, let's say the child has significant impairments in language, mm -hmm. keeps repeating everything that you say, uh, does not process language, mm -hmm. and the child does not have good relationship with others, cannot play with other children, mm -hmm. but then there's no restrictive behavior. Then that child does not meet the diagnosis for autism. Oh. But you, yeah, you see this child rocking and mm -hmm. flapping hands mm -hmm. and yeah, not talking. Mm -hmm. But if one of the, the three mm -hmm. components is missing, uh -huh. then it's a totally different diagnosis. So but not autism. There are so many other diagnoses that are related to autism. Oh, oh, they are like the, the ones we say that in the, in the spectrum. In the spectrum. Uh, actually, when we talk of the spectrum, uh -huh. things have actually changed. That's why I was saying the five years. Ha, <laughs> I told you we're going to yeah. get schools today. <laughs> today we're getting schools. Okay, okay. So, you see, we are currently using the fifth edition of the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Okay. Before these things are published, mm -hmm. data is collected globally. Okay. You're allowed to send your mm -hmm. views, she's allowed to send her views, I will send mine. Mm -hmm. And they will take like two or three years collecting information. These are psychological organizations. Okay. Before saying now, this is what the professionals internationally have agreed on. And so this is going to be the diagnostic criteria. So in the previous diagnosis, the spectrum of autism had five areas. Mm -hmm. So we had the classic autism, childhood disintegrative disorders, Asperger syndrome, there, there were five. Yeah. So those ones are not there anymore. So okay. things change, yeah. So right now we are talking of uh, autism spectrum disorder. Okay. okay. But now people who are diagnosed with Asperger's mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. lost their diagnosis for Asperger's mm -hmm. and got now the diagnosis for autism. We had other conditions like childhood disintegrative disorder. Mm -hmm. So if the person, the child disintegrated, by, by the way, childhood disintegrative disorder is the worst condition. 
I'm trying to figure out when you said disintegrate, I'm just saying something crumbling. So yes, I'm trying exactly, to, to, just to, like to that. Relate. Uh-huh. Because this child was developing normally, the child was talking, the child oh. went to school, maybe was number one in class, and everything was okay. Mm-hmm. And then the child started disintegrating, start losing speech, start losing motor functioning, all those things. So they recess. It's like yes, they, they, it's they like regress, they, they regress it, now to. Actually, regressing is a milder term. Wow. Yeah. So disintegrate is the right word. Attentively, what age yeah. are most cases that, uh, what mm. did you call it again? The child who disintegrated. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> between three and six. But there, there, there has been cases of children disintegrating after seven. Yeah, uh, actually, mm. that's interesting. I'll tell you a small story. Today, I was in Machakos. I went to do empowerment for women and children and persons living with disability. And the lady who the lady who I met has a very interesting story. Now, I'm, I'm interested because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because she grew very well yeah. in her teenage, she passed through teenage, mm-hmm. and then she just started losing mobility. Mm-hmm. Uh, now she's on a wheelchair, she cannot move, her mm-hmm. fine motor skills are gone, um, her speech is gone. She's hearing impaired. I understand she can only hear part of a bit on one side. Mm-hmm. And you see now, I'm trying to put myself in the, in her shoes, right? Because mm-hmm. like today we were communicating, I, I'd write the questions. She'd like you can tell she would struggle to write the answer because of yeah. the effects of of that mm-hmm. de, degeneration. degeneration. That's mm-hmm. a very heavy word for a human being. Like I'm trying to place a human being and then saying that they're disintegrating or degenerating. It sounds like you know, you know? Yes, degeneration. <laughs> uh-huh. And there's a condition called muscular dystrophy. Okay. So what you're explaining to me it almost sounds like muscular, muscular dystrophy. dystrophy. Okay. Where the okay. person starts losing the use of muscles, the mm-hmm. muscle uh, muscle fiber start mm-hmm. changing into fat. All right. And so you lose your mobility, you might lose your speech. Mm-hmm. If it affects the heart muscles and you start losing the heart muscles, okay. then a person can uh, degenerate to a point where the person will totally lose everything and die. There are, uh, I think, about 34 different types of muscular dystrophy. 34? Yeah, there, there are different, different, different types. Okay. Of, yeah, there, there are so many. Mm-hmm. And uh, different types would set in at different ages. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there are those ones who can grow up to a certain age and uh, get degeneration. Now that is degeneration. Mm-hmm. It's different from disintegration. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the time we're done, I think I'll acquire yeah. 50% of your PhD. <laughs> yeah. Because in disintegration, it takes a short period of time. Okay. And you totally lose quite a number Everything. of things, yes. Okay. Yeah. But the degeneration is very it's slow. slow. It's slower. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, what, what, what would you feel when this is happening? Like, what, what, what would be like a sign or a symptom for me to, for, apart from the um, mobility loss? Now, for muscular dystrophy, mm-hmm. you start losing the muscle power. Okay. You start tripping and falling down mm-hmm. and spilling food mm-hmm. and can't drink the way you were drinking before. Mm-hmm. Your speed starts going down, your coordination starts reducing. Okay. Uh, it depends on the type of muscular dystrophy okay. that, that the person has. Mm-hmm. So then you start realizing that there's a problem. But you see, there are again other conditions that are related to, to muscular dystrophy. Yeah. So it could be that maybe, if it, yeah. so it could be that maybe if it's an adult, maybe you're developing Alzheimer's mm-hmm. that are related to motor coordination. Okay. But in terms of degeneration, the person will not realize okay. that you're degenerating. So disintegration, mm-hmm. because you are also losing your mental power. 
so you don't realize it yourself. Yourself, okay. Yeah, so it's the people around you who will realize that. Oh. But this person is no longer talking the way he was talking yes, before. Okay. He's not writing, he's not interested in playing with other children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's now withdrawing. Then ritualistic behavior starts setting in. So you don't realize it, it's others who will realize it. So you better have close friends, those who can monitor exactly yeah, what is going should. on with you. So next time yeah. you see someone changing in their behavior, in their mobility, mm -hmm. and they start look uh, like their movement becomes clumsy, right? yeah. for lack of a better word, yeah. then you better just advise them to actually seek attention. Mm -hmm. Thank you, viewers. And we'd like to take a short break, and then we give doctor at least a minute to breathe. And then when we come back, for those who have sent us your questions, then we shall address your questions. Don't forget, talk to us on our social media and also we will be looking at the SMSs. The SMS number is two two zero five zero and then eight. I'm learning my sign language. So we shall be with you in a few minutes. Don't go far. Let us give Dr. Terry a few minutes to breathe and then we get back and uh, dive more into intervention. Alright, thank you. Welcome viewers to the third part of our fifth episode of NeuroDigest here on Science TV with me Sylvia Moramo Chabo, your host. Our interpreter is Maureen Maita and today we are hosting Dr. Onala, PhD early intervention and is a specialist consultant on neuro neuro neurodiverse conditions, right? Neurodevelopmental. Yes. Neurodevelopmental conditions. Yeah. So we're going to move on onto the part of intervention. So, Dr. Terry, be my guest. Good. So, early intervention. So, usually, early intervention, typically, if you look at early intervention, there it should be. Mm -hmm. You know, we have the reality, mm -hmm. and then uh, we have the ideal situation. Okay. The ideal situation for early intervention is that it should be done quite early in life. Mm -hmm. uh, probably before three or before six years. So, that uh, if you look at the ideal situation okay but the real situation is that in kenya mm -hmm. uh diagnosis can be done at 10 years 15 20 years mm -hmm. so in kenya when we define it based on our situation mm -hmm. then we say interventions done from the time the condition is discovered or is diagnosed or identified but ideally in developed countries where these conditions are identified quite early in life, mm -hmm. then early intervention will start. So what is early intervention? Early intervention simply means the services that are usually designed to help the child born at risk mm -hmm. and those with the condition mm -hmm. to catch up in life. Okay. Yeah. And it focuses on the child mm -hmm. and the family. So as a whole? The, 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 the child and the environment, which is the immediate yes, family. Yes, the immediate home. family, yeah. Okay. So let's say your child is diagnosed at the age of one and a half or two years. Mm -hmm. So you go to a consultant, then you're told, you think your child could be presenting symptoms of autism. Okay. 
the first thing the consultant should do mm -hmm. is to teach you what you should do. Okay. Yeah, what should you do when you get home with this child? All right. And then you should also target on the siblings and all the other family members because they'll all be interacting okay. with this child. Okay. And then the child will be put on a program. Mm -hmm. So typically early intervention for children with autism, mm -hmm. children with ADHD, mm -hmm. and most of neurodevelopmental conditions revolve around helping them to acquire language or speech and language skills, social interaction, mm -hmm. uh, to reduce uh, ritualistic behaviors, to improve their attention span, reduce hyperactivity and the like. Mm -hmm. So amongst the things that you do is to engage the child in a lot of structured play. Okay. So you have to acquire different types of uh, toys mm -hmm. and get enough time to play with your child. That's usually the beginning. As a parent As now. a parent. Okay. And if the child starts going to school, then the teachers in school also need to have a variety of toys mm -hmm. and engage that child in play, a lot of structured play. Mm -hmm. Structured play is different from free play. So, like, so, go outside and sort yourself out. Yeah, that is free that play. That is free play. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But children with autism, let's, let's say you buy them fancy toys and give them, they probably not play with that toy okay. because they do not know how to play. Okay. So you have to sit down yourself and engage the child in a variety of play. Pretend to be cooking, to be eating, mm -hmm. uh, make dolls walk and talk the child. So do a lot of talking and lots of playing, and if there are other children, get those other children join in play. In the play. Okay. Now, for ch children in early years, we talk of intensive early intervention. Mm -hmm. Intensive early intervention means minimum of 25 hours a week. Of oh, a week? Yeah, a week, in okay. terms of play. Because that neurotypical child mm -hmm. spends a lot of time playing outside. Mm -hmm. They actually spend more than 40 hours outside. Yes, playing. Mm -hmm. Now, for this other child who is spending a lot of time maybe playing with just a stick mm -hmm. or just rocking mm -hmm. or watching TV, mm -hmm. you need to get that child out of that oh, and that play with the child. Mm -hmm. Now, you need to train this child on basic skills like buttoning or lacing, mm -hmm. modeling play. You need to train the child in toileting skills. Mm -hmm. So start potty training, let them sit on the potty. Mm -hmm. if the child finds it really difficult to sit on the potty do toilet timing. Mm -hmm. That means uh, you try to establish what time that child usually need to go for a long call or for sh short call, mm -hmm. and then make them sit on the potty just shortly before that time. Okay. So then with time they learn. That if I'm put here, this is what is expected yes. of me. Yeah. Then uh, oh, this is a question I've always wondered, like how long is sufficient time to be able to, when we're doing this a bit back on the diagnosis side of it and the intervention side, when you're trying to figure out this is the environment of this child, this is how they behave, how much time do you as a consultant when it comes to intervention and diagnosis, do you need with this child to be able to correctly affirm that this is what the issue is? Consultant might not spend a lot of time with the child okay. because before diagnosis is made, mm -hmm. there's background information that is given. Okay. So the consultant will spend a lot of time with you mm -hmm. digging into your history and mm -hmm. the, the things that you uh, observe and maybe give you some forms to fill in to rate the child. Mm -hmm. uh, if the child is already going to school maybe three years and has joined kindergarten, mm -hmm. then the teachers will also be asked to rate the child. Okay. There are some cases where 
either the consultant or a representative will go to the school mm -hmm. to observe the child in a natural environment. Uh -huh. Yeah, and especially in cases like ADHD, mm -hmm. because the diagnostic statistic manual requires that the behavior must be exhibited in more than one environment. So if not only in the house, but outside and maybe yeah, in yeah. another different public setting. Yes, so, exactly. so, but then uh, uh, personally, well, I know when I was, I was getting all, all of this, mm -hmm. there was, because um, it was in a school setting, mm -hmm. but no one came to my house. Yes. So, but did the person interview you to know what's happening? Yeah, I filled like yeah. 10 pages. Yes. So <laughs> that gives a lot of background information. Okay. And then you also told to rate the child. So, them, I'm not so quite sure. did you tick certain things? Yeah, there was a lot of ticking questions. You know, those yeah, questions so that, that take you back to like, yeah. okay, do they really do this if I was to rate? But mm. sometimes I always say, like, for me, mm. I'm having even right now a hard time when mm. I see a three-year-old child talking mm. because it feels very weird mm. to me. Because right. the last child that I had, who, like, who was neurotypical, that is my firstborn, who's turning 13. Mm -hmm. My secondborn, who's now turning 9. Mm -hmm. Imagine, I've had 9 years of his life. Mm -hmm. So when I'm out in the street and I'm interacting with a child, I find myself guessing, like, how can you talk all of that? You know, like, this tiny person, because yeah. of that that environment of staying with my children. Right. And, no, because they, they don't talk much, yeah? Mm -hmm. Because they've just started talking, so they're still on the learning phase. Mm -hmm. And um, when, when those such questions are being asked, you know, mm -hmm. for a parent who has a neurodiverse child, for you to try and really gauge them can be a mm -hmm. bit difficult. Yes. It can be a bit difficult. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Usually, like play, when you start it, it will be difficult. Okay. But you get in sync with play, mm -hmm. and then it becomes part of your life. Mm -hmm. So you get home and you're running with the children and you're laughing, you're throwing them up in the air, and then you need to get some pictures for uh, helping them to start articulating certain words, okay. naming pictures, naming objects, so developing their language mm -hmm. from that early age. Mm -hmm. So. We, uh, you can consult with a speech therapist mm -hmm. or an occupational therapist to come up with lots of activities mm -hmm. that you'll be able to do from that early age. Okay, but but now that speech therapist, occupational therapy, you're the one who's to tell me as a parent, right? Right. Okay. So usually the consultant will advise you. Mm -hmm. But sometimes getting a speech therapist might be difficult. Why is that? Because Kenya just started training speech therapy recently and we not yet have locally trained graduates. So Kenyatta University <laughs> is the first university in Kenya okay. to start training that. Okay. And so we have those ones who are about to graduate the first mm -hmm. lot. The first lot. Yes. Now, if, if, mm -hmm. if they're just about to graduate, yeah, mm -hmm. and our children are out here, and I know we have quite a number of speech therapists. Okay, not quite a number. They're not mm -hmm. sufficient because I know trying to find one, trying to get their time, and maybe that's why they're very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So at least we have we have gotten uh, to get to understand mm -hmm. um, the the process of how to get early diagnosis and early intervention. Like how many types of interventions do we have? And uh, there's so many. Just yeah. to, just to name yeah. because of time. So, if we were to just name like yeah. how many how many styles or styles or something like that. The leading yeah. one that I would recommend for most of uh, my listeners would be floor time therapy. Floor time is just play therapy. Okay. Yeah, get a variety of toys. Don't say my son cannot play with dolls. Your son will play with dolls mm -hmm. if you train him. Mm -hmm. So get a variety of uh, play materials mm -hmm. and spend a lot of time talking to your child, playing with your child, mm -hmm. and 
teaching most of the skills through play because mm -hmm. play is the most natural way through which children learn. Okay. So get a lot of uh, resources. Then that is usually very important. Mm -hmm. So so many children with autism tend to have a lot of allergies and intolerances, mm -hmm. especially for dairy and wheat. Mm -hmm. So it's something that is worth exploring whether you need to eliminate that from your chance to that. Okay. Yeah, and then uh, sugars also precipitate hyperactivity to make them uh, quite inattentive and hyper. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that you might need to consider. Mm -hmm. uh, increasing the level of essential fats like omega-3 mm -hmm. will be quite important because uh, sometimes they delete or they deplete their uh, essential fats mm -hmm. because they are constantly running up and down and they're not focusing on the right thing. They're listening to so many things at the same time. So their brains work more than our brain. Okay. It's overloaded. They see more details, finer details that you're not seeing. Yeah. yeah, and they are listening to their senses. They're seeing what's happening in the environment. So we need to supplement certain things like essential fats, omega-3 would be uh, an area that need to be considered. Mm -hmm. And then generally, healthy feeding, cut down on refined carbohydrates, you know, sugars, cookies, mm -hmm. cakes, those kind of things, mm -hmm. and give your child healthy diet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You heard it today from the doctor, not from me as a mother. Today you heard it from the doctor. Thank you for staying with us because of time. I'm sure we shall invite Dr. Terry again to tell us at least there is the youth side and, and the adult side. And like I told you, autism is a very wide uh, topic, so it, we will be covering it the entire season. And thank you, Dr. Terry, for joining us. Thank you, Maureen, for interpretation. And thank you, viewers, for staying with us uh, from beginning to now. And for those who have missed our episode, you'll catch us on Facebook. And thank you for engaging us once again. And we shall see you next week. And thank you for staying with NeuroDigest here on Science TV. Catch you next week, the same time, 8 p.m. here on Science TV. Thank you, and we see you next time. Have a good night.